Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is your host, Eric Lemos. Mansplain Yourself is a podcast that tries to answer the question, what does it mean to be a man? Each culture has its own concept of what is quote-unquote masculine, and whether we acknowledge it or not, patriarchy, or some variation of it, has contributed to all of our individual identities. Exploring the pains and triumphs of trying to reject or conform to those standards bring us closer to answering, what does it mean to be a man? Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to another episode of the Mansplain Yourself podcast. I am your host, Derek Lemos, and today on the podcast, I've got another special guest for you. He's a very special boy, very funny boy. Uh, we met at the Portland Queer Comedy Festival. He's been tearing it up since, um, got invited to do Just for Laughs. That is like, if you're not familiar with stand-up, and I don't know why you aren't, if you're listening to this fucking podcast, uh, it's one of the biggest festivals that you can possibly do as an up-and-coming comedian. Uh, it's a great, great spotlight for anybody's career. He is extremely funny, extremely talented, and very opinionated, and I love him for it. Please welcome to the show, Brandon Ashmohan. Hello, what's up? How are y'all? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Uh, it's, it's been a crazy day, I but bet, I'm yeah. so glad to like yeah. that we get to do this before we you get, get to, to rush this. off and do another show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in from Canada. People. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you particularly today. Like you are somebody who, when I look at some of the intersections of just like your identity and who you are, mm-hmm. you're somebody who is just like completely unapologetic for all of them Mm -hmm. and that's something that i really really respect thank you um in the way that like on stage you are you talk about serious things sometimes but you do it in a way that's kind of like offhanded and really kind of silly Uh where you're talking about like body size and you're talking about sex and you're also talking about like racism but it's Uh done in like a really really playful way yeah so i kind of want to know like where did that style kind of come from I don't know. I don't even know how a lot of my stand-up came to be, I guess. I don't know. I think I I got, probably got that from, like, watching Sarah Silverman. Uh And I think that's, like, one of, like, my main influences. And I think that's probably where that comes from. It wasn't, like, me being like, I'm going to do this in, like, a playful. It was just like, oh, what are these people doing? Oh, like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And when, so was she somebody who you were watching really young and just kind of like emulating? Or yeah, which is like, like I like really idolizing? like what they do. I think that they're like, like really cool what they do. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, this is the shit. I want to do it like this. <laughs> yeah. And so you're from you're from Toronto. I'm from Toronto. Like born and raised in Toronto. I'm born and raised in Toronto in the West End. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it were you always kind of plugged in to to stand up? No, I didn't really understand what stand-up is. Like, I went to a comedy school in Toronto called Humber. A lot of people, like, there's some, like, names that came, like, Nathan Fielder uh-huh. went there, Deborah DiGiovanni. She's amazing. Yeah, she came out of there. That was part of the reason why I went to that program, because there used to be this show in Canada called Video on Trial. Uh-huh. I don't know if they had it here, but basically it was, like, they had all these comedians, and they would kind of, like review a music video and they would like they would play the music video and the comedians would just be like commenting like on riff it on it yeah and riffing on it and it was so funny i remember watching her and be like oh she's so funny if she went there you know what i'll go to this program and then that's how i went into comedy but i originally did it because i was like i want to be like a writer and then somehow like i got into stand-up uh-huh. like i just started doing stand-up and people were like you're so good and then i was like okay so you wanted to be like a, like a tv writer yeah uh-huh. mm-hmm. i i'm really curious about that so like like tv writing for tv is notoriously like it's a it's a boys club and it is a straight white boys club yeah 100 percent. and you are like the opposite of all of those i things. know i know it, it is especially in canada a lot of the writers are just like these nerdy like white boys who a lot of people are just like they're not that funny uh-huh. but it's just like they're my like you'll just see them getting hired and hired and hired and i've seen multiple people who've been accused of like I don't know, like sexual assault things. And like, I guess because it's like not that big of a deal or to, to like the industry there. And like, nobody knows who these people are. Like they'll like, Oh, we're going to fire you for a little bit, but then we'll bring you back on Mm -hmm. another show. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. It's almost like a revolving door. Yeah. And so have you found, cause this has come up with, with other people in what we've talked about, like, you know, working half as working twice as hard for half as much. Like, have you kind of noticed that in your own kind of trajectory a hundred percent a hundred percent i've like noticed so many times where like 
people will be like, oh, we really want like your voice. And then I realized it's like they want, they don't really want my voice. Mm -hmm. What they want is like me, but they want me to like write and like, they want me to, how, how do I say this? So it's like they want me to be like, oh, hey, look, this we have yeah. this person. Yeah, they want, but you like to they be... don't want me to have actual opinion. Gotcha. So it's like you're you're like the cover person yeah. on their so college like, brochure. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, see, we're we're diverse. Yeah. We have this guy. Yeah. So that's like what I've noticed, where it's like a lot of thing, and then a lot of like my friend, she's like a really successful writer in Canada. And she'll be like, I'm the always the only like person of color in the room. Like they'll only have mm-hmm. one of us. And then I realized this recently, like I kept getting confused for the other okay, so there's like in Canada, I'm the only gay black male yeah. stand-up comedian. Especially on like an especially on in on a professional level too. Like yeah. I'm the only one in the entire country. But there's like there's two other like professional, like there's like sketch improvisers. One of them is in like in this like really big play. And then there's this other one who's like a like a second city main stage alumni. His name is also Brandon. Yeah. And then lately we've been getting like I've been confused for him. Yeah. And then I'm just like, oh my God, this is like we're both named Brandon, we're both black and gay. And I'm just like, these people are like yeah. Crazy, yeah. I was like, we look nothing alike. He's like six five, like fit, and we like still you, getting confused like for have, each other. Like yeah, you have the name right. Yeah, our voices are di- <laughs> like our comedic voices are different. But I'm just like, what is like you guys? We obviously occupy this one, yeah, like place in these people's brain. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, oh, yeah. It's oh, almost like you're interchangeable, or it's like it's interchangeable, but it's also like there can't be another one. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, did you deal with a lot of that in like when you were younger growing up in the city? Well, it was like so now Toronto is like there's like this whole woke, there's like this whole like awakening because a lot of the time, especially in the states, you see a lot of the Canadian stand-ups that have crossed over mm-hmm. are usually kind of like straight white dudes from small towns. Mm-hmm. But recently in Toronto there's like this huge boom of just like I guess like woke like like they're trying to be inclusive but um for like there's like a just a long tradition of just like straight white guys from small towns yeah in canada like when i first started i remember it was all straight white dudes from small towns me and my friend martha chavez were the only like like queer people of color in the entire like country doing yeah. comedy yeah and i remember i like i didn't do comedy for like three years because it got so bad. Like, I remember I got nominated for this very, like, prestigious award in Toronto called the Timpsons Encouragement Fund. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like, a lot of these straight white guys lost their shit. Yeah, where they, they were saying so it like you only got it because... Yes, yeah. there was, it was me and my friend Franco. And they were like, oh, they're just trying to make it, like, multicultural this year. Mm-hmm. And then, so they would, like, when we do open mics, they would be like, there would be someone else who was, like, a straight white dude who was also on. They'd be like, here's someone who actually deserves yeah. to be nominated for this thing. Yeah. My buddy, Eric. Yeah, yeah and then we're like, oh, I should have got that. I go every single night. And I, like, like that yeah. kind of thing. So I, like, stopped doing stand-up for a while. And then a lot of things shifted. There was a lot of, like... But what brought you back? I don't even know. I, like, went through this, like... I saw that things were different. And then I went through this, like, really, like... I don't know, like, light, like it was, like, dark time for mm-hmm. those, like, three years. And then I got, I was in this, like, car accident, and then I got, got out of this, like, really shitty, like, kind of abusive relationship. Yeah. And I started taking, like, improv for anxiety, and then people kept coming to, up on me on the street and were just like, you need to do stand-up again. And yeah. then, yeah, I started doing stand-up again. Wow. Uh-huh. So, like, like that kind of, I, I love segues, because it, like... It, yeah. It's one of my favorite things doing doing like comedy. I'm just like, oh, here's a thing, and then it leads into this thing, and then oh, here's another thing, and it leads yeah. into this. I, I love transitions. Um, so with like relationships, there was there was this thing on Pink News the other day, and so I, I kind of want it because it ties in with some of your jokes, and like obviously you're joking, you know, but there is like there are kernels of truth yeah. in comedy because that's what uh-huh. we do. So it, the the Pink News thing that got taken down is there they were highlighting this couple, and there was a 22 year old. Uh, man and his partner who was like 56 uh-huh. and that what the age difference wasn't the issue is that they had been dating for six years so he was 16 yeah and yeah and so like that is that kind of age dynamic isn't uncommon yeah in like in queer circles and so like some of your jokes have kind of revolved around like like stealing your dad or kind of hooking uh-huh. up with your dad on the yeah. side and uh-huh. so i kind of want to know like what your experience is like what well, truth is uh-huh. there to that if any well there's like truth like i remember being like a younger gay dude and hooking up with older guys but i think that's also like 
there's like this like heterosexual like the way that like we're taught in school uh-huh. about like consent and like sex it's like where it's always from like a hetero like normative lens yeah. so we're just like oh if this older woman approaches you or this older man approaches you and then you're like of the opposite sex of them mm-hmm. like you don't you're not really recognizing like you're kind of being groomed yeah. by like these older people and yeah like i i have you had the i'm sure you've had like well did so you have experiences when you were no like a teenager okay and that was and that was mostly because i wasn't out yeah. and i uh-huh. wasn't dating uh-huh. like uh-huh. i was exclusively dating women at the time oh damn yeah, I was out in these streets when I was like a, a teenager. Mm. So, what I mean, so is Toronto a fairly like gay friendly city? Yeah, it's like very like we have like a huge gay area. Like, gay marriage was legal in Canada in two thousand and five. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So ahead of the curve. So ahead of the curve, <laughs> like yeah, by ex- almost exactly uh-huh. ten years. No. Yeah, like our pri- our prime minister comes to Pride. Uh-huh. And- uh-huh. So oh, it's Trudeau? Like, yeah, Trudeau. Uh-huh. And some of the other ones used to come to Pride, too, I think. But yeah, it, it's a very... I guess Toronto is very like gay-friendly, yeah. at least. Like, there's a huge history, but... So, I know that, like, there's a giant... There's, like... So, you mentioned the, the queer neighborhood, or the gay neighborhood, the gayborhood. Um, I love every town that has a gayborhood. Yeah. That was yeah. the best part of the town. Yeah. There, there was also, like, a giant influx of immigrants into Toronto. Yeah. Does your family fit into that? Or have yeah. they been there, like, a well, couple Well, my... Okay, so it's, like, on my mom's side they're from trinidad and they Uh came there under like our current prime minister trudeau he's the son of another prime minister who was like canada's most beloved prime minister Uh um pierre trudeau and he had this like very like he wanted new people to come to canada so he made immigration very easy Mm -hmm. for people from other countries so that's how my family came there then on my other side my dad is like historically canadian so Mm -hmm. they've been there for like so like part of his family is like like white people that like settled from Ireland from like like I don't know like the 1400s yeah. and then the other side is like there's all these like so in Canada there's um a black a historic black settlement where like all these like black loyalists came uh-huh. from the south so they're descended from like African American slaves yeah. and there was a settlement called Africville uh-huh. And it was like this, wait, 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 Africville, Africville, and it was like where all of these black slave settlement, and they created this like whole and town. Did they name it or I was think it? they named it? Okay, and then the government, like they were thriving, uh-huh. and then the government didn't want to give them money for like infrastructure, mm. so the mm. town just like they just like essentially tried to like destroy the town. Where have like, we seen that before? Yeah, in here, like the whole east coast of Canada is kind of like has a very similar like history to the south, where it was like very segregated. I think yeah. there was segregated schools in the south. And not in the south, in the east coast, until the like nineteen ninety five or something. Yeah, I, I I like the idea that like, you know that like the these enslaved people yeah. like rallied together and just like fuck it, we're going north, and then they made it to the northern U.S. Yeah. and was just like, nope, not north we're enough. Going and they kept to the going. east coast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of black people that live on the like east coast it's just like funny when people t- try to tell me to go back to my country i'm just mm-hmm. like okay we've probably been here longer than you yeah, it's like i'm from here yeah uh-huh. oh that's that's such a weird thing right now to experience because it, it, it really is like so i mean i don't get told shit because i'm six two i'm yeah. a big fucking dude what's your ethnicity well i'm indigenous you're indigenous yeah okay. so like i and i have to break it down for a lot of people because it's like well mexicans aren't indigenous i'm like dude who do you think was here before the spanish colonized yeah. uh-huh and it's like we like if you don't think we're indigenous go uh-huh. where the fucking pyramids come yeah. from <laughs> where did yeah. every like so every mexican household has or most has the 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 aztec calendar yeah. on it uh-huh. you know has the iconic imagery yeah. of like the indian man yeah. you know holding the uh-huh. holding the woman and there it's a story yeah, about two volcanoes people don't understand south american like i guess they only think of like that type of native person yeah. well it's like or indigenous yeah well like in trinidad there's a there was like a whole like this south american uh-huh. indigenous people and like like we're called like the arawak and, and um carib people uh-huh. and like i have family that like have that lineage and my grandmother talks about how she remembers like meeting them oh and, wow like, but they're all dead now like, yeah i think there's only like less than like 400 people uh-huh. i mean that's like, really indigenous recent history people that, grandma remembers yeah that. she remembers when she was like a little girl meeting like her like like hair like her like indigenous like family yeah yeah i mean that's that i mean that's, that's yeah yeah that, i mean that's how you get like 
Puerto Ricans and yeah. Dominicans. I mean, yeah. that's literally Trinidad's so mixed, like because uh-huh. like it's a similar to Puerto Rico, where it's like Black, Spanish, like um, Indian, Chinese, like yeah, mm-hmm. Syrian, yeah. Yeah, and well, it's, I mean, that's such a weird thing to experience right now because it's like, go back to your country. And it's like, hang up for a second. It's like, do you realize that, like, we wouldn't even be like, like, you guys did this? Yeah. Uh (laughs) It's kind of like, it's like, Uh you're, you're yelling at me, you know, screaming, like, you're blaming me for the the world's issues. And Mm -hmm. it's like, wait a minute, you guys did this. Yeah. It's like, well, I think you brought everyone. Yeah. Your ancestors brought our ancestors here no no you're yeah. telling us to go back yeah. no 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 that's not how it's uh-huh. gonna work well it's like a lot of like <laughs> got a note from david roberts uh dr david robinson that said buyer's remorse <laughs> <laughs> but there's like they tried that they remember there was like in i think it was i can't remember when it was i think it was the 18th was that in toronto or no, in Canada? no in, in, i think it was in america like that's how mm. liberia came to be because mm. it was just like oh we're gonna free all of these we're gonna send them back to africa yeah, like repatriation. and they're gonna like and then it fucked up liberia yeah because there were they were giving preference to the like African slaves, like the descendants of the African slaves there mm-hmm. who had like no, no idea about like the country. And then we're just like disregarding the like people who's like lived there and lived for like a long time. Wow. And then it like caused the country like to destabilize. And like, there was like this whole like military takeover and they killed the last person. And now the country is just a mess. So mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, even if you sent us back, it, it also doesn't work. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, it, you, you stripped people of a lot of their, cultural uh-huh. traditions and languages yeah. uh-huh. and it's just like oh hey you're gonna live over here now and it's like well we don't know anything thanks bye uh-huh. but it's also like the whole removal of like generations and gen like hundreds of years of generations yeah. of people from their native land like destroyed those places mm-hmm. like they're directly responsible for a lot of these countries like not being good anymore yeah like, or that, that they've been yeah ex- so there exploited, was exploited like yeah there was this thing i was reading so i talk a lot of shit if you follow my like any of my social media you know that I talk a lot of shit and so i remember this one argument that this guy had and it was basically like well if you hate white people so much then you should just like stop using your cell phone and you should stop using this you should stop giving the things that we gave you and i'm like that's a really presumptuous thing to say because it's like one if and it's not like I hate white people. I just hate the institution that 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 says like you guys mm-hmm. are preferred in yeah. every uh-huh. category. Mm-hmm. And that's really what what I'm talking about when we talk about white supremacy on the show. It, it's it's the institutional stuff. So yeah. don't take it personally. But he, I, I basically was like, hang hang the fuck on, like that's really presumptuous and racist to presume that we couldn't or wouldn't have invented like, our own things. But it's also like. White people didn't, and like a lot of the technology that mm. was invented for the cell phones, and a lot of the minerals that are used came for, from Africa. From Africa, but it's also like I remember who well, that's, was that was going to be my next yeah. point about resources. Yeah, but it was also like this black lady who helped. Like, there is the reason why we have like Bluetooth mm-hmm. and like Wi-Fi. Yeah, uh, yeah, Wi-Fi yeah. was created by a dude in Mexico. Yeah, or something like that. And it's just like, so you just assume that we've done everything. Like, there was this meme that i saw where it was just like oh if white people couldn't do it then obviously aliens, aliens. Cre- create created yes. it and like the pyramids like, oh they, they yeah. how do they build these pyramids how did they, <laughs> like they found out that we've had like a lot of this technology that we've already had yeah has been around yeah well it's been it, around like syria it was in syria they had batteries and electricity and yeah. stuff like that yeah then they were yeah. called egyptian batteries yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's kind of the the you know they can look at at Benjamin Franklin and they can look at Alexander Hamilton and you know these older these older figures that they that they kind of are are, you know Mm -hmm. even like Socrates yeah they hold these people in high regard because that's European ethnocentricity Mm -hmm. yeah but it's like we there were civilizations that like advanced yeah yeah that 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 you that you get the tit like a taste you get like the lacroix uh-huh. of it <laughs> in history the essence yeah, yeah. and so, like i can't i can't i can't tell you how, like, how many times people have said the words like well you know before before pilgrims came here you guys were just like roaming around in the woods and it's like i'm like do you see did you see the, my, the pyramids my my ancestors built yeah like, well there, i mean there's there were yeah. tons of cities and yeah you know, like communities and trade routes that got destroyed and, and like literally paved over. So any visual kind uh-huh. of like 
markers that would uh-huh. make you think like, oh, I wonder what was there before, like, are gone. But there's also like these crazy, like, do you know, like the story of Zimbabwe? Uh-uh. Okay, so Zimbabwe used to, in, prior to 1980 used to be a country called Rhodesia. Mm-hmm. And Rhodesia was believed to be, it was believed that like Africans, black people were not, were too stupid to have created like all these advanced civilizations in Africa. Mm-hmm. So it was believed that there was like a lost white tribe mm-hmm. that taught people in wow. Africa how to do all this stuff and then disappeared. Yeah. So it was believed that the they found like this kingdom, the kingdom of Zimbabwe, uh-huh. and they believed it was like the descendant of the Queen of Sheba or something like that. And that was the lost white kingdom of Rhodesia. Uh-huh. So for a long time, the country was called Rhodesia. And it was be- it was like advertised like towards as the lost white kingdom in Africa. And you'd be like, oh, see, we're... Where where our civilization where we started civilization, mm-hmm. and then eventually like the, they're, they're like clearly like this is bullshit, and then that's when Robert Mugabe took office. Like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeesh, yeah. I <sighs> in nineteen eighty, yeah. Oh boy, I have so many opinions on yeah. that. <laughs> but it's also like they a lot of these people were created by these like like the divide and conquer thing where where it's like we're gonna align with these people yeah because we like how they look and also like so that we can like fuck up this country yeah and just like destabilize it yeah, yeah that makes sense so i mean like you're i i like that you're like you're just like an inherently political person mm-hmm. but it like it there's a, it's layered uh-huh. like that is the i think the thing i enjoy most about your comedy yeah. is that it's like is layers to it well it's just like i'm okay so i'm gay i'm black and then I have a Jewish last name, but I don't really deal with like anti-Semitism. But like uh-huh. I deal with a lot of Islamophobia sometimes uh-huh. because of I look kind of Muslim. Well, tell me about that. And it's like okay, so like I'm Muslim. Like my grandfather's parents were Muslim, uh-huh. and my grandfather was like a convenient Muslim. Like sometimes he'd be like, he'd be like, we're not eating pork anymore. Uh-huh. And then the next day we see him eating pepperoni pizza. And my grandma's <laughs> like, you know that's pork. And then he was just like, okay. so it's not pork. Yeah. It's pepperoni. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's like the type of like so i never like be, i never like practiced islam i don't really know that much uh-huh. about it like one of my jokes is like i've been to a mosque once and it was in the video game prince of persia that's funny like yeah and that's literally true like i the last time i went to a mosque was my grandfather's funeral he just randomly decided to have like a, mm. he was like i want a muslim funeral before i die mm. when i die so yeah yeah and we'll go out with all the bells yeah. and whistles well there's no bells and whistles like muslim funerals are very like terrifying <laughs> no, tell me about okay, that. Okay, so this is what happened. This, my grandfather's funeral was at a mosque that was also a school. Uh-huh. So it was in a school auditorium. And we had to like put out all the chairs. And like, I think in like death, you're not supposed to have like any extravagances. Everything is supposed to be stripped down. Yeah. So the way that they do it is all of like the adult male family members have to wash the dead body. Oh. I was too little, so I didn't have to. Yeah. But like, there's no um, like. What is it? Like, there's no, like, makeup, like, embalming or, like, autopsy, I guess, or whatever. And essentially what they do is they, you have, like, a wooden box Uh and they wrap you in, like, a white sheet and then, like, your family says goodbye to you. And then you go to the, the, the cemetery. They put you in the ground and then I don't think there's, you're not even like allowed like marking or like, I think they, the funeral or the cemetery has like uh-huh. knows where you are, uh-huh. but like, there's no like gravestone yeah. or like anything like that. I think you can get one if you want, but, and then you're just never supposed to go back and you're not supposed to like, like when you leave, you're not supposed to look back. Really? So that was like, I remember being like a kid and not really understand. Yeah. That was like my first experience with. Is that like, is it yeah. like, is it because of like a superstitious thing? I think it's like, I'm, I'm not even sure. I don't even want to like speak on it because like, uh-huh. I'm, I wasn't raised in a but I was just like, I don't know, like, you're just not supposed to, like, look at it. I think it was something like, you're, like, the spirit or something will, like, follow or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that, I don't that's know. usually, yeah, because there's yeah. usually some sort yeah. of, like, superstitious element Yeah, because then you it. have to have, like, this ceremony, I can't remember if it was, like, six months or a year later, where you, like, celebrate this person, and then that's when, like, they're supposed to leave Earth. I don't even know if I'm uh-huh. saying it right. But, yeah, because of my, yeah, that's, like, my experience with, like, like I never, I was never aware of, like my last name was just like a last name to me, and I wasn't aware of the, like what it meant yeah. until like nine eleven. Yeah, and then, and then people you were like hyper aware, and then people were just, oh, you know, like those people that did nine eleven that you, were, did you know them? Were they like related to you? And I was like, I have no idea wow. who these people are. Like they live in Florida. 
yeah so that was like the first time i ever became like aware of uh-huh. and an islam or like and so did it i mean because like being being an openly gay person can make you a target yeah you know be like a muslim person especially after 9 uh-huh. 11 and even right now with the yeah. with the muslim ban mm-hmm. like can make you a target yeah and so like and being just like a, a visibly black person uh-huh. In the United States. In the United I mean, States, I don't, yeah. I don't know if the, what the levels of police brutality are in Canada or if there are the same types a of... Lot of there, is, like, there is some, but a lot of, like, it is targeted more to Indigenous people. Mm. Like, the way that Canada treats Indigenous people is so fucking crazy. Mm. And it's like, I'll tell you, sorry, there was, like, my friend, she's Indigenous, she was having her baby, and they gave her an epidural. And she remembers while they're giving her the epidural, they they were taking her blood. And then after she had the baby, they tried taking her baby away. And she's like, why? Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, you tested positive for opiates. Yeah. And then she was like, yeah, because you gave me an epidural. And they wouldn't give her uh-huh. an answer. And they do, like, crazy shit like this, like, where they were, um, like, there was this thing in, um, I think it was manitoba like most of outside of toronto most of like all of canada is very like racist towards indigenous people but there was this thing i can't can't remember where i think it was in manitoba and they were unknowingly sterilizing like they were they were sterilizing all these native women yeah and And they did that yeah they did that in the united states too with like mexican women and el salvadorian women yeah Yeah. and it's just like it does yeah it's just like crazy yeah Mm. fuck dude (laughs) there's like this other thing where um so a lot of like indigenous communities don't have access to clean water Mm -hmm. but at the same time they have nestle coming in yeah and nestle will take millions and millions and millions of liters of water Mm -hmm. for like pennies Mm -hmm. and give it to the government yeah and their and and their ceo has openly said like they don't believe that everybody deserves clean drinking yeah and they're the government doesn't do anything and it's just like there's no protections and Mm -hmm. like like now in Ontario, where I live, the we've become very like, like our, like I guess our equivalent of like the governor, our premier mm. is very conservative, and is trying to like privatize our health and our our healthcare, and just like, does not care about gay people, and is just like trying to like just like destroy everything. Like there's like. There was like this like autism program that provided like a certain level of funding to each family, mm-hmm. and now they're just trying to sort like give you like a certain amount. Like they don't care about like how much your child like some children need more need ther- support, yeah, more therapy than others. Just like this is a fixed amount. That's all you get. Well, before it was like okay, you get this amount, you get mm-hmm. that amount, and then yeah. Wow. Well, and so and so. Sorry, I didn't get to complete my yeah. my question. Sorry. So, like, so you have you know these different intersections of your identity that uh-huh. that kind of make you like mm-hmm. a, a vulnerable person yeah. to like the the institutions at play. So, uh-huh. I kind of want to know, like, one, what do you do to, to to take care of yourself? I don't even know. Like, sometimes I just have to, like, I have to hear other people's stories in order to just like, how do I navigate this? Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I first started doing stand up, I was the only like gay black person that I or male that I knew of doing stand up. Yeah. And um I just like try to find like stories or like people who've gone through like fucked up shit or like who have some similar stories to me. So be like, oh shit, I can do this too. Yeah. And that's like part of that's how like I take care of myself. I watch a lot of Oprah videos, Super Soul Sundays. Mm-hmm. And that really like helps me mm-hmm. like get through things. I'm like, give me hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well and so I also want to know because like I carry a lot of uh, I carry a lot of anger. Uh-huh. I carry a ton of anger uh-huh. and it's all, I funnel it all through my writing and I funnel it all through my uh-huh. comedy. How do you deal with yours? How do I deal with it? I don't think I deal with it that well. Like I got, I was like very like, I remember last year I got like really, really depressed after I got like just for laughs and all of these other amazing things. And I just realized that I had to go to therapy and uh-huh. I've just been in therapy and that's really what's been helping me get through everything is just going through therapy mm-hmm. and like talking it out and being like, okay, this is your life. Yeah. Like you have to kind of like accept it. And had you, had you gone and to therapy before? I had gone to therapy when I was like a child, mm-hmm. but this was like, this was like me. It was like my parents forcing me to go. Mm-hmm. Well, this was like me being like, I need to go. Mm-hmm. So it was more effective. Well, are you, are you comfortable talking about why your parents made you go? okay i'll talk about it well basically it's like my it was mostly my mom and my mom was very much like my mom watched a lot of like dr phil and like all of these like other crazy shows so she would watch these shows and be like oh my god my son is like this oh my god like blah 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 
So, like, there was this thing where I was, like, a very effeminate child, and my mom thought I was transgender. Mm. So, then I had to go to this place called CAMH, which was the Center of Addiction of Mental Health. Mm. And at the time, they had this, like, gender unit, and there was this fam- very famous doctor named Dr. Zucker, and he was the head of, of like, the gender whatever unit for children. Yeah. And basically, what he did is, like, he could cure, like, Ooh. trans children. So what he did was he would do all of these things. He would diagnose these kids with like gender dysphoria. Yeah. And then he would do all these things to like cure them. Yeah. And then I remember I was like in the program and they would just like ask you weird questions. And then I realized I was like, oh shit, this is like because I play with like dolls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like or like I like Sailor Moon or, or something like that. So then I think the final evaluation was they had us in a, like a room with like a two-way mirror. And on one section of the room, there was boy toys. And the other section, there was girl toys. Yeah. And they were like, they're going to like watch me to see if I needed like further treatment yeah. or like whatever. I don't know what the point of the treatment was. And I just remember I was just like, I'm just going to play with these boy toys and play aggressively with these girl toys. Yeah. And I never had to go back after wow. that. Wow. And you were aware that they were I was aware. You? I was always like very like... I was always just like hyper aware of the world. Like I, I think people say I was, I have an old soul. Uh-huh. So I don't know. So I got out of that. And my mom was like, I knew that you knew, you knew what was going on. I was like, yeah, I did. But now that doctor is, I think he's banned. Like he got removed as head of the thing because there's all these like trans people who'd be like, yo, this person, this was like, yeah, damaged me. Yeah. This person damaged me. This was like, what is the, the thing, the conversion therapy? Uh-huh. This was like conversion therapy. So yeah, he no longer is the head of I mean, that program, good. and good. He's very controversial in the mm-hmm. trans community. A lot of trans people do not like him. Most, I think, all trans people don't like him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm kind of impressed that like your mom had the language for that. I mean, she had the language, but it was just like the wrong direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was it was more out of like concern and kind of like I don't know what she I don't know what she wanted out uh-huh. of it. I think maybe she wanted me to be like, because I know she really wanted me to be like normal. Yeah. Like I remember when I was a teenager, I went on like. Um, and by normal, like 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 not an effeminate little boy or something like that. Yeah. And then like she told me that I was depressed, and then I remember I had to go on like Prozac, and then they're like, I don't understand why you're on Prozac. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to be on Prozac. And then I wasn't on Prozac. I took a lot of like Ritalin and stuff like that. So I was just like, mm. so that's part of the reason why I also had to go to therapy because yeah. I was like, oh, you're taking this medication, so we need to. Yeah, we need to figure out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, um, I mean that. So like, I remember, like, I was kind of like a weird little kid. So I used to do, I used to do a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. Like, like I would do like celebrity impressions. I would do just kind of voices. And I remember one time, like, I was really caught up on doing on doing Shaq. I don't know why, but it, it, it like he just had a, a particular way of speaking that was yeah. just that was yeah. very like all run yeah. together. It's and I so remember I, I did that for like two weeks straight. And like they sent me to a speech therapist because they thought like I might have been being a might have been abused at home. And it's like I was, but that wasn't the reason why I was doing that. Yeah, you that. were just having a fun time. Yeah. 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 And it's like I st- it's weird to me that like that some of the things that they notice and then some of the things that, that go yeah. unnoticed or unreported. But it's also like some people think that some people take things children say too seriously. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, this is too like seriously. Like I remember because I when I I think this is part of the reason. Like I, I said I wanted to be a girl, but it wasn't like I wanted to like be a girl. It was like I wanted like to be like them like and it was because like they got to do all the shit that i thought was cool like Mm -hmm. because there was no like gay characters on television when you were children like i remember the character i remember loving vanity smurf and being like i'm like him Uh and that was like the character that i identified with the most but most of the characters that we see growing up are all women and that's why a lot of like gay men worship women and then don't really care about other gay men Mm -hmm. because they weren't raised with that and they weren't like shown that and then a lot of the portrayals of gay men they see in media are like like i don't identify or with stereotypical. that yeah uh-huh. yeah that's my theory at least yeah i mean that's a really interesting theory though i mean it, it does make a lot of sense because most of what we see is is like how we see ourselves mm-hmm. and if you don't see yourself represented yeah. you find the closest you find the thing. closest thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have sisters i have like a half sister who's like younger than me uh how much younger is she she is i think six or yes yeah, six and a half years oh so that's kind of a yeah. kind of a gap yeah yeah so like yeah you were going through all this as a as a child and like she mm-hmm. wasn't even born yet she wasn't li- like born yet or she was born but she was like a very little girl like, yeah we didn't live in the same house so mm-hmm. like she never really had to mm-hmm. and so and so were you getting what you needed from like your like your girlfriends at school 
It was, I don't know what, I I think I very much like lived in my own world. Mm. I went to this one school and people were like nice to me. And then I went to this other school and it was all these just like crazy, like rich white kids. Mm -hmm. And they were like so awful and like so mean all the time. So I don't know. I didn't really have any friends. Like I think I got a lot of what I needed from like, um, like the television. Yeah. What were some of your shows? I mean, you like mentioned the Smurfs. Sarah Silverman, or not Sarah, uh-huh. um, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Sailor Moon was the was the shit. Yeah, and so what was it about Sailor Moon that you kind of like connected to? I don't know. I just like that she was like fighting all these people, and there was magic, and she just had like this wand, and then like she's like, "Yo, solved it. <laughs> Everything's done." I mean, it is. So I mean, I know, I do know a lot of like. And they are particularly effeminate gay men who like gravitate towards Sailor Moon. Yeah. And so I'm I I just wanted yeah. to poke and prod and yeah. kind of see if there was anything. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I just really liked it. I uh-huh. thought it was cool. And I was like, this is what oh the Spice Girls. I remember liking the Spice Girls a lot. You couldn't avoid the Spice yeah. Girls. That was like I've never loved anything as much as I loved the Spice Girls yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been as anything as big as the Spice Girls in my generation. Yeah, I don't know. I I'd I'd be hard pressed to think of something that of that size like i just remember f- how much i loved them and mm-hmm. like i remember when they went to toronto and like everyone lost their mind yeah, and the did city you go was the shut down no but they were like doing this thing like we used to have this thing called much music uh-huh. and it was like kind of like our version of mtv but like it was at this building and like when like there was like this vj that i can't remember his name but like when he was doing an interview in like a big star town like the whole city was just like we're gonna go there and like, yeah. watch through the like yeah we don't even have things like that in Toronto now. Damn. <laughs> yeah, everything. Every, I mean, that's everything's what, been yeah. like corporatized and like taken over by like one, like telecommunications company. Mm-hmm. So a lot of like I, f- I find like the culture of Toronto has been kind of removed. Well, yeah, I mean you, that's that's kind of the. I yeah. mean that I really see that happening here in yeah. the United States too. It's uh-huh. just like the the monopolization or the poly polygopoly mm-hmm. of yeah of utilities. Like you get you get Coke or you get Pepsi, and that's it. Yeah. Because even, like, in Canada, at least in the English-speaking world, a lot of, like, in Canada, there has to be a certain percentage of Canadian content. Mm-hmm. And now it's called, the, like, the CRTC, like, mandate. So, I think it's, like, 10%, 15% of the people that, of the content that it's shown has to be Canadian. Yeah. And, like, there's times where they've tried to skirt it. Like, one time, they would just show, like, they'd have a feed of just people walking around mm-hmm. downtown the life and then they try to be like that's our canadian content yeah and they're like no you need to have actual yeah but then because of this there's all of this money that's allocated to create like art or to create like shows and something like that so people have no like reason to try to like keep a show like running Mm because they know like the next year they still gonna get that money yeah Uh Hmm. i mean i i I like that they allocate stuff but it's but it's also also like like, very like yeah I mean, it's it's kind of done that in a way that, that that's not like yeah. in in a real investment. Yeah, it's not a real investment. It's like, oh, we're doing this because like we. Yeah, because public access right. is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to ask. So, like, you mentioned that your on your dad's side, like they they ha- had been descended from like Irish people, mm-hmm. um, like that, or Scottish people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I saw my ancestry DNA thing. <laughs> I saw all of these people. So for like, so I, I so other other black guys that I've had on the show have kind of that have had other, either they're mixed or so like Iffy, you know, his dad is Nigerian and it was still kind of like, there's the narrative of like, well, you're not like, you're not like black, you're African. Uh-huh. And so I kind of want to know, like, did you feel some of that kind of pushback in Toronto? Cause like, did like I you feel because you were mixed? Not really. It, it was like, okay, actually, kind of, but it was from like white people. Uh-huh. So I remember like in school, there was this girl and she'd be like, Are you, so are you black? And I was like, Yeah. And she was like, Are you, what are you? I'm like, I'm Trinidadian. And she was like, I only consider if you're black, if like you're from Jamaica or like, <laughs> or like Africa. And I was like, She's this little 13 year old white girl, yeah. the expert on yeah. she's who's black or not. Yeah. yeah. But not really because like in my family, like, especially in Caribbean culture, there's just like so much mixing. And even though both like my mom is, my grandfather is full Indian Mm -hmm. and then my grandmother is half Indian. Mm -hmm. And even though my mom is essentially like brown and black, they're called Dugla. She identifies as black. And then my dad is like 
a bunch of shit, but he identifies as as black, even though he looks like a white dude. Mm-hmm. He's like essentially a white dude. Mm-hmm. Um, He's snow. Yeah. So we it's just snow. like yeah, we found snow. <laughs> Wentworth Miller, kind of like. So I don't know. I think that was like the thing for me. The thing is like I always I remember wanting to because I didn't I look I'm like the darkest. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that does looks like the least like like biracial like what half white half black like i look very like trinidadian which yeah. is like indian and black and i remember wanting to be more like white looking or like look like my my family yeah. so that the easier time fitting yeah, in yeah like so i could fit in easier uh-huh. i remember i really wanted to have like straight hair because all of, like, i liked the hairstyles on sailor moon i remember that but yeah yeah i kind of brought it up earlier in the podcast but i haven't touched on it yet so i kind of want to touch on it like you like are a very sensual person and you're so. and you're not like like i remember at the portland comedy festival like you were wearing these like 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 jean shorts and they look really good on you you were showing off your legs on on stage and you were making jokes about it and like we are both like bigger men we're both men, yeah. men of size uh-huh. and usually that stuff is like even if you are gay or queer uh-huh. like it's still very much like uh-huh. a ew no cover up uh-huh and so I kind of want to, I kind of want to ask like your experiences of just being like a bigger dude uh-huh. and being gay and then also being like effeminate and how yeah. that kind of stuff. Has- well, it's like sometimes it's like I go through phases where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. And then other times I'm just like, I just want to like lose weight. Uh-huh. I feel like sometimes I do want to lose weight just because like, I'm like my body hurts yeah. and the thi- the thing, but then other times I'm just like, I don't know. I, it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like where it's like, oh yeah. Sometimes like I want to be thin, and like I want to just like. Sometimes I feel like what might be like holding me back is like I'm not mm-hmm. like being like TV ready, like TV ready. Like I need to be. Because I remember growing up, like I wasn't fat until like high school, uh-huh. and like growing up, I was always seen as like very attractive, and like people would always like stop my mom and be like, uh-huh. "Your son is so handsome." Well, yeah, you're and, a very pretty man. Yeah, and then so like going from that to then not being like classically attractive mm-hmm. there's always this thing where it's just like oh my god i'm not living up to my full potential mm. and was that was that people that made you feel that or was that you kind of like processing? i think that was like my family being like being like you need like you're you're so good looking and you're not living up to like your full potential or people being like you know you could be really handsome if you like lost weight Ooh. like yeah, I mean, so when I said t- TV ready earlier, that uh-huh. is a phrase that gets tossed around Los Angeles a lot. That's not me endorsing it. Uh-huh. Or people, yeah. um, this is just for listeners. That's not me endorsing it. That's just like letting people know that there is an expectation. Uh-huh. If you are an actor, like TV ready means that you're fucking thin. Yeah, coded. There's always a coded like, like people like you have a really nice face. Like, yeah, yeah. And then that's what I always get told. And yeah. Like, yeah. Well, has it uh, has it ever been a barrier for you when you were trying to date when you were single? I think so. I remember, like, like talking to guys online, and then I'll just be like, look, I'm I'm like a thick dude. Like, yeah. are you into that? And then like them not responding, or like I'll send a picture of my body that I, I hear nothing back. Mm-hmm. And so for I mean, for because I have been in those similar situations, uh-huh. and they've they like they suck because it's like or it's like I only like you because you're like. Yeah, and then you're being fetishized. Yeah, and then it's also a weird place to be in. Uh-huh. How do you how do you kind of ride that line now that you're in like a partnership with somebody where it's like I, I want to be happy with my own body, yeah. I want to be happy with my partner's uh-huh. body, uh-huh. and you know just like whatever that might mean for like a long term relationship. What do you try? What? Do you- well, so so like like, f- like for example, like when when couples couples gain weight together, yeah, like that's uh-huh. just universally true. Yeah. And if it, you know, you're already sensitive yeah. about, about gaining more weight, you know, being in a relationship yeah. where you find yourself like, uh-huh. Oh no, I've gained 15 pounds or, Oh yeah. no, I've gained 20 mm-hmm. pounds. If you're uncomfortable with it, it can also, I know some people that are also uncomfortable if their partners are also getting weight. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I mean by it. Oh yeah. I can, I, I can see that sometimes where I'm just like, I'm just like, I don't want us to like look the same Yeah. where I'm just like, I'm just like worried that people, I don't know. It like bothers me when I think this is just like a me thing where like when couples just like look the same and like, and, I'm just like, why are you dating yourself? Like, <laughs> and then that's like my biggest thing where I'm just like, I don't want you to look like, because sometimes people say now that we look yeah. alike. And well, is, he also, like, is he also West Indian? He's not West Indian. He's a white dude. Uh-huh. Like when I first met his mom, she was like, you guys look alike. And I was just like, 
was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is weird. I, I do know, I knew exactly what you're yeah. talking about. There are couples and that that's look like, like my and biggest. Sister. It's not necessarily like him, like, like him gaining weight is like me, is me being like, oh my God, now you're starting to look like me. Like, uh-huh. and th- well, how do you guys, how do you guys kind of navigate that? Cause that can be, you know, like body issues in, in K circles and queer uh-huh. circles are huge. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I just hear all of these, like these like very like twinky gay men that just do that do comedy sometimes. And they'll just like, be like, Oh, I can't eat that. I have to be thin. And mm-hmm. then uh, they're like, I'm getting so fat. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Cause then it's like, okay. well, what are, what are you saying about? Yeah. Like, it's passive. Uh-huh. You'll hear things that are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. So knowing all, all all of these things, like like if there's if there's somebody out there who has a very similar intersection as you, like what's something that you wish somebody would have told you sooner? What do I wish that it's like it's okay to be yourself? Mm. Do you know who Larry Owens is? Uh, I don't think I do. Larry Owens is like this like very funny like musical theater like stand up comedian that's out of New York, and he's like a thick gay black dude, and he's like the first gay black stand-up comedian i've ever met in person Uh this was like last year and he's all yeah and i remember i just see him and he's just like so confident and i'm just like i wish i could be that confident Mm -hmm. but i'm so like i feel like sometimes when i like walk into like especially like queer spaces where it's just like oh like you're not worth anything yeah and And that's only based on body size yeah body size and like skin color and it's just like i wish that somebody just told me like you can be you yeah like being you is better than like it's better to be more unique than it is to try to be like to fit in with the status quo and be like everybody else Mm -hmm. Uh well and that's so interesting to me that you that you mentioned you know that that you would feel less confident because i would not pick that up from Mm -hmm. i know people don't know yeah people always are just like you're so confident yeah it's an act (laughs) it's all an act fake it till you make it i can fake it so well yeah well you're making it right now Uh and you're doing a great job yeah so thank you for sharing that with us you're welcome so i have three more questions Uh uh first one who would you like to thank and you can be as specific or as vague as you'd like who would you like to thank for helping you become the person that you are today I'd probably like to thank my grandmother because my grandmother's the one that like essentially like raised me and it was just always been like the steady force in my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to thank her because like if it wasn't for her, I don't know, maybe I'd be on like the street or something. So she's like, yeah, she definitely her, just like her wisdom mm-hmm. and her always just being kind of like, yo, don't like fuck these other people. Like she always just like, if she's like, I don't care about them. They're not paying my bills. Yeah. And like that. And also telling me that like, like there's like this thing that she says that I it, it always sticks with me. It's like whenever I'm having a rough time, she's just like the longest day has its end. And it's just like remember that nothing is forever. Yeah. So you're having a shitty moment right now. It's not forever. A lot of good wisdom. Like there's this other thing that she says that I also really love, where she's like, if you don't hear, if you don't see, you must feel. That's great. Yeah. So it's just like yeah, I can be telling you not to touch the stove. You can see your brother get burnt by the stove, mm-hmm. but it, when you get burnt by the stove, now you know not to touch the stove, even though you already saw all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Is she still with us? Yeah, she's still there. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Nana? What's up? And then okay, second question: Who, in again, as specific or as vague as as you like, uh, who would you like to apologize to for any mistakes you might have made while you were still figuring it out? Who would I like to? Oh, there were some people that I was, like, really mean to in high school. Like, there was this girl, Quanisha, and we would always be, like, so mean to her. But, like, I loved her, Mm. but then I also loved making fun of her. But that was mostly, like, me, like, taking out my own shit on her. Yeah. And I remember I tried to, like, find her on Facebook. Like, she remember, like, we she would block me on Facebook. Then after high school, she unblocked me on Facebook. And then I remember trying to, like, reach out to her, and then she blocked me again. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember I tried to reach out to her, reach out to her via LinkedIn and be like, I'm sorry, like, yeah, I don't know why I did all this shit and said all this shit. Like, I'm so, I'm sorry. That's someone. And there was this other girl, Mila. Even though she said, I would be really mean to her, but it was like because she said the N word, and, and then yeah. So and I was like really awful to her. And then every time I'm, I know what I see her now, she just looks so sad. And I'm like, you know what? 
maybe I should have. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. You know, fuck Mila. Um, <laughs> never mind. Uh, <laughs> so, where can people find? Where can people find your comedy? Are you working on anything right now that people need to look out for? So, I run um, Canada's first and only show for queer people of color called The Ethnic Rainbow. <laughs> so, we're going to be at JFL Forty Two this year. So, if you're in Toronto. Come to Comedy Bar September 19th at 8 p.m. It comes to the Ethnic Rainbow. I'm also going to be doing a, a EP in November. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still figuring that out. But Oh, that's wonderful. But Do you have a title for I'm, it yet? I think I'm going to call it Death Drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. Yeah. Okay. And then, do you have a website or? I, have, I don't have a website. I had to have a website. I need to finish it. But um, you can find me at Barack Obama one. Like B A B E A R. Yeah, like bear, as in like the animal. Like rare. Yeah. yeah. Obama one on Instagram. So uh, Barack Obama one. Oh yeah, I'm also on. I'm doing this competition in Canada. It's like the biggest comedy competition in Canada. Throw called this there. called the Serious XM's Top Comic. Uh-huh. You can vote for me if you go onto like the Serious Top Comic website, and like you'll find me. You just log. You just like put in like your age. Can or they watch your set? Yeah, and they can watch my set too. My set's there too. Yeah. You, so go go watch his set. Serious XM. Serious XM's top next top comic. Brandon Ash Muhammad, Google it, vote for me. Yeah. So you'll see you'll see all the wonderful things that I've been talking yeah. about this episode. Uh-huh. Well, thank you for coming in, buddy. You're welcome. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Mansplain Yourself podcast. So if you are an iTunes listener, I need you to do a big favor for me. I need you to rate and review us because it really helps us find more listeners. If you're enjoying the show, then there's somebody else out there who definitely will enjoy the show. If you're a SoundCloud listener, here's what I need you to do. I need you to share that shit i need you to go on social media and be like hey you know what i really enjoyed this episode they're talking about shit that resonates with me share it tell somebody about it if you're listening to it i don't know how else you would listen to this podcast but if you're listening to it some other way make some recommendations hit us up like i love interacting with you guys you guys are great on the insta uh send us more stuff you can email us at mansplain yourself podcast at gmail.com you can always find us using the hashtag mansplain yourself and if you feel generous throw us a dollar or two. This uh, podcast is not free to produce. I wish it was. You're going to help old Papa Bear out a bunch by throwing us a buck or two per episode. And as always, we will see you next week. Thank you all. Mansplain Yourself is produced by Dr. David Robinson at Heaping Teaspoon, logo designed by Jorge Rivero, music by Daniel Holter. Follow us on Instagram or on Twitter at Mansplain Yourself Pod. Mansplain Yourself Pod.